Oh, yours. Hello. Uh, lovely to see so many families here this morning. I've waved at a few people so far, but I've had my back to some of you. So it's lovely to see you all. So this morning is an all-age meeting. So Becca and I are just going to kick things off. Um, we're going to do a story. We're going to need your help for a story. So don't get too comfortable where you're sat. Um, in your packs that we sent you uh, in the post, or if you brought them with you this morning, you should have your wall. Um, your, so this giant wall that Becca is standing next to, this has been sent to you in the post. This is going to be like our building blocks of faith. So every all-age meeting, we're going to tell you a word, and we're going to get you to write that word onto the wall. And we're going to fill it with um, answers to prayer, things, uh, miracles that we see God do, anything that um, can create a poster that will just remind us how faithful and good God is. Um, So also, just to let you know, we we use the word faithful. Um, Your booklet said was called God's Faithful Friends. We're talking about God's faithfulness this morning as well. And when we talk about that, we're talking about that we can trust God, that he does what he says he's going to do. And when we say we have faith in him, we can say, I trust God. So it's this morning, you might hear that word a little bit, but that's just what we're talking about. So uh, did I tell you that I was Emily? I can't remember. I'm Emily. I'm from City Centre Site. And this is... I'm Becca. Is this working? Yeah. Give me some nods, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Becca and I'm also at the City Centre site. (laughs) Brilliant. So we're just going to go through, uh, yeah, we're looking at Joshua 4, but kind of 3 as well. So I'm going to hand over to Becca, who is going to do our story this morning. Lovely. Okay, so to tell this story, we need to use our imagination. So I want you all to get on your feet. Stand up. Thank you. (laughs) Well done, everyone. And at home as well. Stand up as well. Um, So if you're in the building, um, you will find um, in your bag um, at your place some little boxes. You're going to need them a bit later on, okay? Um, And if you're watching at home, you can use Lego or bricks or kind of anything else that you like. Um, And if you were listening to Goth last week, you already will know a bit of the story. So going to start. So the Israelites were at the edge of the promised land, camped just outside, but there was a river in the way. It was called the River Jordan. So you're standing up, that's great. I want you to imagine you're standing at the edge of the river. So tiptoe up to the edge. You can copy Emily. Amazing, amazing. Don't fall in, don't fall in. Um, And can you see and hear the water rushing past? Yeah. Yeah, me too. So if you look back, turn around, look back, you can see where you have come from and remember how God brought you out of Egypt across the Red Sea and took you through the desert. He has been a faithful God. So now look up and down the river. It is a bit scary. There is a lot of water. How are we going to get across? But God has spoken. He has said, go tell the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant and go to the edge of the river Tell them to step into the water, and as they do, the water will stop flowing. Then all the people can cross on dry land. So that's what we're going to do. The priest carry the Ark of the Covenant into the river, and we can take a step forward onto dry ground. You don't even have to take your shoes and socks off because it's dry ground. So all the people crossed the River Jordan on dry land. It took all day because there was thousands and thousands of people... (laughs) so stop then God told the people to do something 
12 men, one from each of the tribes of Israel, had to go to the middle of the river and pick up a large stone. It's really heavy, really heavy. When they had finished, the priests followed the Israelites out of the river. As soon as they came out of the river, it started flowing again. Now they had to stack up your stones. So this is where I want you to look into your bag and find your little boxes and stack them up for me. You should have about 12. Or if you're at home, use your Lego or your bricks. Lovely. So what was this all for? It was so they would remember, and that's our word for today, remember. But what were they to remember? So God says, when you see these stones and when your children ask, what are they for? You can tell them. Remember, I brought you across the Jordan River on dry ground, just like I did for you crossing the Red Sea. I did this so you know that I am powerful, so that you would remember that I am the Lord your God. Oh, your towers all look so good in here. The Israelites had to have faith that God would be with them as they went forward into the promised land. It wasn't going to be easy, but it was going to be built on knowing the faithfulness of God. As they looked back and remember how powerful he was, they would have faith to go forwards. Amazing. Well done, everyone. Very good acting, lovely building. You can all take your seat now. Thank you very much. And thank you, Becca, for reading that so well. Um, I wonder if you noticed a couple of things. So if you did notice these things, I need you to give me a wave. If you're at home, you can get really close to the screen. I might be able to see it and just wave at me. So the first thing is, did you notice how many people crossed the river? Was it one or two or a bus of people? It was actually thousands and thousands and thousands of people crossed, which means the priests that had to stand in the middle of the river had to stand there a very, very long time. So I think their legs might have hurt a little bit by the end. And it might have been a bit scary as well, because if you think you had to stand there all day knowing that all of that water was, was stopped just up the river, that must have been quite scary. And then the other thing that I wonder if you noticed is whose idea was it to make this memorial? It wasn't Joshua's idea, and it wasn't one of the priest's ideas. It was actually God who told them to build this. He did it because, as we heard in the story, that God had brought them all the way from Egypt, from uh, slavery in Egypt, through the Red Sea, through the, um, the desert, and they just got to the edge of the promised land. But do you know, all of these amazing things, and they still forgot that God had helped them. He kept, they kept forgetting how faithful he was and how trustworthy he was. So he told them to build this so that it would be there as a, as a memory. So when they saw it or when their children saw it or their children saw it, they would be able to say, hey, this is what happened. God stopped the river. He stopped the water so we could walk through. He's always faithful and he's always good. So when we spend time remembering what God has done, it helps us to look forward with confidence because we can look back and see what he's done and know that he'll do it again. So it might be that he would answer prayers. You might have um, a a list of prayers that uh, 
you've seen answers to, or it might be that God has made promises in your life that you've seen come true, or it might be that, there's one over here, miracles. You might have stories about miracles that God has, has done in your life or in other people's lives, people being healed, uh, people being set free. So all of these things are amazing, and they help us to remember how faithful God is. You know, God is the God that makes the impossible seem possible. Well, not seem possible. He makes the impossible possible. He, um, we might not need to cross a river like the Israelites had to. We might, hopefully, we might have a boat to do that now. But we might have things in our lives that sometimes feel really huge, like a river we have to cross, something we can't see the end of, but can't see how we're going to get there. It might be at school at the moment, maybe there's, maybe you're, you're, it's hard being back at the moment, adjusting to how school is, or even your year six, and maybe starting to think about what happens after the summer holidays. It might be that you need a job, or you're maybe going to university in September. Maybe you've been praying for something for a really long time and you haven't seen it come through yet. Well, these things are great to remember, but there's actually, if we go into the Bible, we see story after story, true. These are true stories. True story after true stories of how God fed 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. Is that right? I get the numbers mixed up in my head. And, uh, or when he shut the mouths of the lions to keep Daniel safe from the lions. Or when he kept the people safe on the boat in the flood with Noah. There are story after story of how God is faithful. And when we read these things, it helps us to remember. It builds faith in us, knowing that God is the same God then as he is today. And this God is a God that cares about us and loves us. But the most amazing thing that God will ever do is that he gave, he gave his son to... Oh, it's not going to stand up. Um, I can't, ooh, there we go. He gave Jesus. And Jesus gave his life for us. Ooh, it's like building a really high Jenga tower. There we go. It's Jesus. You know, Titus 3, verses 3 to 7 says, At one time, we too acted like fools. We didn't obey God. We were tricked. We were controlled by all kinds of desires and pleasures. But the kindness and love of our Savior appeared. He saved us. It wasn't because of the good things that we have done. It was because of his mercy. He saved us by washing away our sins, and we were born again, and the Holy Spirit gave us new life. Now, ever since the beginning, right back with Adam and Eve, when they chose themselves over God, that first sin, the friendship with God, was broken, changed. And that's the same for us too, because, but even at that moment... God promised a rescuer who would come and fix that friendship. Because sin gets in the way of us having a friendship with God. Sin is all the times where we love something 
um, above God, or we, um, we choose to do something that, God, that isn't honoring to God. Well, like this verse says, Jesus set, uh, God sent that rescuer, and that rescuer was Jesus. He was totally perfect, and he was put on the cross to die. He took our mess, the times we put God, other stuff above God, he took it, and in that moment, there was a swap. We were given Jesus' perfect life. We were given, we were hidden in him. And when we choose to follow him, when we give our lives to Jesus, our mess is taken away, and we are given a new start, which is just amazing. So when we remember what God has done, it should bring us to a place of worshipping Jesus, because it's through Jesus that we have new life, we have forgiveness, we have a friendship, we have, um, I've forgotten the other word, we have um, freedom from our old life, we have, yeah, a brand new life, and this life is a gift, and it's a gift that cost Jesus his life. But he did it because of his enormous love for us. So, yeah, when we think about these things, when we go into our activities, think about Jesus, what Jesus has done for us. Because, yeah, we, it's amazing when he shut the mouths of the lions to keep Daniel safe. It's amazing um, when we see miracles. But these bring us to want to worship Jesus, worship the God who gave everything for us. So I'm going to hand back to Becca. Don't worry, I'm going to knock the boxes over. Hopefully it'll be okay. Lovely, thanks, Emily. That was so great. So now we have three kind of activities for you to do this morning if you're here or um, at home. So the first one is using your um, map that you have um, and it's our key word which is remember it's quite a big word so what I'd love you to do is on this first row of your um, your wall um, I'd love you to write the word remember in one of the boxes I'm going to stick ours up and then fill the other box you've got maybe two or three there with things that you're thankful for God for or prayers that he's answered or things that he's said to you um, anything at all really just so that when um, you look back at your wall you can um, you can remember and it builds faith and it will encourage us um, and then um, our second one so in your um, little packs you know how you built the towers you've got lots of little boxes so we'd love you to decorate decorate one of these boxes um, as like a little memorial like these ones that we have um, and then open up the envelope it should say part two on it um, take out a piece of paper and write or draw something that you want to remember God by um, keep it safe inside your box um, and every time that you pick up your box at home you can remember what God's done or you can remember this morning um, so if you're at home I think a picture of a rock has been sent to you so you can either use that or if you want to use a stone from maybe outside or the beach or something um, you could um, do the same thing at home um, so yeah, it can be a thank you or something you've heard from today or just a reminder so that every time you hold your stone or hold your box, you remember. Um, and then lastly, Toby mentioned earlier about our um, letters that we have around the room. So they're not totally random. They do, do spell out a little word. You've got this in your packs as well. Um, 
And it, so what we want you to see is if you can work out what the letters spell. It's three words, three little words, and then let us know, see if you've cracked the code. So I hope that's all okay and you enjoyed that. Um, and we're now going to worship together again, so I'm just going to hand back to Tim and the band. Thank you, uh, Tim. Thanks, band. Thanks, Emily and uh, Becca, for helping us so uh, much with that story. We're going to stay with that story right now. And, um, well, we're going to be leading into breaking of bread in just a little while. So if you're a Christian or a follower of Jesus, you might want to make sure you've got some bread, some wine, some juice ready at home. Or here you've got some, uh, some uh, bread and, and, and juice with you on your seat. So just be ready for that in a little while. But uh, before that, I want to think a bit more about remembering. And I wonder how you remember things. Whether you write in a diary, if you're a diary person... Uh, whether you're a list person, you kind of jot things down that you need to remember, or maybe you're uh, one of these kind of um, uh, little sticky, whatever they're called, things. You kind of jot stuff down on those and stick them in places so you can see them or put something on your hand so you can uh, remember it. You kind of look at it and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got something I need to do tonight. Well, I had this uh, amazing uh, way of remembering things when I was a student as a, a young man. You know, when you kind of you drop off to, well, you start to drop off to sleep after a, a busy-ish day, and um, you, that's when things occur to you. Suddenly you remember, your brain begins to kind of clear, and then something important really comes to mind. You think, how am I going to remember that? But of course, you're already kind of half asleep, and the lights are off. So I had this great way, probably like, like many of you, I'd feel around uh, in arm's reach and see what I could find, and throw it, launch it at the door. And I'd do that for a while, just keep on piling things up in front of the door. And uh, then I could go to sleep, rest assured that I would be reminded in the morning when I got up and uh, tried to open the door. And I'd be, why isn't this? Ah, there's a whole pile of things here. And uh, I would remember. So that was my way of remembering. Now, you're probably thinking, why not just use a, a pen and paper? But how are you going to remember that? I, that's, it's a tricky thing to remember. And my method, you could only remember one thing. So uh, it's no good kind of, oh, I've got to remember two things. Anyway, that was my method. You may have other methods, but God had a better method of how to remember things. And uh, uh, Emily and Becca have already kind of helped us with that. But I'm just going to read just a few highlights from the story here. So we've got it kind of fresh before us. So this is... The, the waters had been supernaturally parted. God's people had walked across. And then we pick up uh, the, uh, the story here in, uh, in chapter 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take five men from the people, from each uh, tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from every place where the priests feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off 
So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And so they did this, and they put some stones in the middle of the, the, uh, the Jordan as well when it, was, uh, when it was dry. And then picking up the story in verse 19, the people came out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for until you passed over as the Lord your God did at the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So a great kind of story, probably well known to some. A long chapter there, but one main message and one central concern, that the massive significance of what God had done should not be forgotten, not then and not by future generations. This, what the Lord had done here, this, this miracle, the significance of it should never, ever be forgotten. See, God was looking ahead, kind of 10 years, 20 years, I guess 300 years, and it was important that those that had not walked through the dry land, those that had not seen the waters parted, those that had not entered the land in this way, that they knew that God had done something supernatural, and not just that he had done a miracle, but why he had done it, that they should know the meaning of the miracle, the meaning and purpose of how God brought them into the land. And what's more, the thing I realized when I kind of read this passage, and I think, I, I think it's there, is that it's the children asking their parents. It's not the parents have been telling their children since they were kind of yay high. It's they, I guess they're going for a walk one day and they discover these massive piles of stones. And the children are asking the parents, what are these stones there for? And I wondered if the parents have actually forgotten themselves. I wonder if it's gone out of their mind what the stones were actually there for. And they, they probably thought, oh, yes, I remember now. Maybe I should have told you. And they start to tell their children the significance of these stones, even those that had seen the miracle, even those that had walked through on dry land. It had faded to the back of their mind, or at least that was the potential. And God knew that could happen, and he wanted them to be reminded of what he had done and why he had done it the fact of the miracle and the meaning of the miracle. And so he told them, when your children ask, when they see these stones, I want you to tell them, not just that I, I miraculously parted the waters and you moved through the, uh, the Jordan uh, through on dry land, but I want you to tell them why I did it. I want you to tell them that I did it so that the, the nations of the world, the people of the world will know that I'm a God who e exists who acts powerfully now for his people in this world. And I want you to know, he, he wants the parents to tell their children that God did this because he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to come into a relationship 
with him. He wants you to live in the light of who he is and what he has done. He wants you to walk with him. This is the God who we serve. This is the God who we worship. The Lord knew that they would need a reminder of this, and hence the kind of the piling up of the stones, some in the middle of the Jordan when it had dried up, and so the floodwaters came back, and they could, see, they could see that. How did those stones get there? How could they be piled up? And what are these stones doing here on the side of the river Jordan? God wanted them to remember. And of course, when you think about water kind of crashing in, and there must have come a time when the water's kind of crashed back in again, when, the, when God's people were safely through. In the Bible, water often signifies judgment. It signifies God's judgment against sin, against those things that we do wrong. If you think about the, the flood at the beginning of the world, when people turned away from God and the whole world was covered with wickedness, and God brought a flood, it was judgment against sin. When the people crossed over the Red Sea, the waters were parted again, but then they came crashing back upon the Egyptians. And Moses talks about that as God's wrath, God's judgment on the Egyptians. So water, of course, water speaks about life as well. It's kind of a wonderful metaphor for many things, but it also speaks about judgment. And so here I think we can see a picture of God's people being brought through judgment safely to the other side, safe through God's judgment, out to freedom and to the promised land and all that God had for them. And this, of course, ultimately finds its significance in the person of Jesus. Just as in the, in the ark, the, 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 the Noah's family were kept safe from God's, God's reaction and rejection of evil. They were kept safe in there, just as God's people were, were kept safe as they walked through the, the, the Red Sea, as they walked through the, the Jordan, the waters were held back. So in Jesus, God's, God's judgment is turned away against our sin. As we trust in Jesus, as we believe in him through faith, God's anger is turned away. Kept, though, we, though we've done things wrong, we are kept safe and we can come through Jesus into a wonderful relationship with God for which we were created. If the Israelites needed to remember the significance and the importance of the waters being kept back as they went through the Jordan, if, if they needed to be reminded of that, how much more do we need to be reminded about what Jesus has done for us on the cross? Now, Jesus, he, he was, in fact, is this, this, before he died, he he was celebrating the Passover, in fact. He was celebrating that time when God brought his people out of Egypt. And one of the ways they would do that is they would take unleavened bread because God had said, I want you to, do, I want you to remember how I rescued you from Egypt. Because you, you could forget. You're, you will forget if you're not careful. I want you to remember what I did for you as the years go by. And he said to them to take unleavened bread. And this is obviously kind of um, yeasted bread or leavened bread or unleavened leavened bread, but they, they, they remembered it with unleavened bread, that's without yeast, because they had to leave so quickly, suddenly they were, they were to leave, as God's judgment actually came upon uh, the, the, the Egyptian firstborns, God's people were brought out safely from, from that, and they remembered that, and one of the ways they remembered it was by taking bread and eating unleavened bread, and in that context of celebrating the Passover, Jesus says to his disciples, there's something that all of that pointed to that you need to remember, I, I, my body is about to be broken. And he broke the bread, and he said, in the same way that this, I'm breaking this bread, my body is going to be broken for you. And it is the most important thing 
ever, if you remember anything, this is the thing to remember, that my body is going to be broken for you. And I want you to, to do this again and again and again as you go through the years. And I, every, almost time and time again, regularly, I want you to do this because the, you, you, this could be something that could go out of your minds. And he took the wine and he poured it out and he said, I want you to do this again and again and again, over and over as you go through the years, as you go through your life. And I want you to remember that this wine speaks of my blood, I'm a, that he was about to die. He was about to be nailed to a cross and his, his blood would flow down. He said, I want you to remember that this is a new covenant that I'm making with you. This is a covenant whereby through trust in me, you can be forgiven. Through trust in me and what I've done, you can come into a relationship with God. This is this arrangement, this agreement, this promise that God is giving you. And you need to remember it. And the thing is, he did that. And God told them to put the stones in a pile. And Jesus told us to break this bread regularly because we would forget these things. And so I began to think, I wonder, how, why do we forget these things? How is that going to happen? How do we need this continual reminder? And just a few things. I think there are small, medium, and large things that cause us to forget, to have a kind of a spiritual amnesia. And the first thing is that our lives can be just filled with lots of little things, lots of trivia. Just got to get the car filled up with petrol. Got to get the eggs. Don't get those two mixed up, by the way. I've got to I know, go to this place, pick up a prescription, whatever it might be. Lots of little things that we, we kind of have to kind of keep, keep track of with these little notes. There can be loads of those. And we can also kind of fill our lives with, with other things purposely. I mean, good things in some ways. We can scroll through tweets and social media updates and posts and watch box sets and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's fine. I do that too. But the trouble is that if our, if our minds begin to be filled up with those, we can forget what is the truly transcendent, important thing that we must remember, that must be in our minds, that we need to keep central in our minds. All these, the, the, the trivial tweets can squash that out. And so we need to remember the most important thing, that Jesus died for our sin to bring us into a relationship with God. That's what we were created for. We need to remember there are medium things, and these are perhaps are less trivial, working hard at our job, studying for an exam, raising a family, caring for others, coping through illness or, um, or sickness, or, or looking after others who are in that situation. All these are important. But again, they, they can take our attention off if we're not careful about the context in which we do these things. All these things actually only have meaning in the context of a life lived in relationship with God. And they're empowered in the context of a life lived in relationship with God. We need a reminder of why we're here and why we're doing all these kind of important things. And of course, we need to be reminded that other people don't know. And maybe you don't know here today. Maybe you don't know sitting at home what the point of your life is, what, what the point of all these things. They're supposed to have meaning in the context of a relationship with God. And Jesus said, I want you to remember, I want everyone to know that I'm, I'm going to about to die. He said to his disciples, my body will be broken so that, that through me 
You can come into the relationship with God that you were made for, that you were designed for. And then all these other things, they're not the meaning of your life, but they suddenly take on purpose and meaning in that context. And of course, the big thing that he wanted them to do was to go and tell other people. Let other people know. Let the world know that there's a God that is active and powerful. He's acted on their behalf. And through me, there's a way back into relationship with him. And finally, just uh, we have these large distractions, these large-scale competing narratives that are suggested to us and are missold to us as the ultimate meaning and purpose of our lives. Money, the money is the ultimate purpose of our life. And, but if we put money as the ultimate purpose of our life, we'll actually end up in the, the, the deepest, most thorough poverty that you can possibly imagine. Maybe happiness, we're told that happiness is the purpose of our life. But if you make happiness the ultimate purpose of your life, actually you will end up most miserable of all. We're told that popularity is, the, is the, what life is all about, getting everybody to love us. But if we, if we live with that as our ultimate purpose, we'll miss out on the greatest love of all. Maybe, maybe it's success. Maybe you've been fed the lie that success is the ultimate purpose of life. Well, if you make success the ultimate purpose of your life, your life will amount to nothing. We were made for a relationship with God. And Jesus says, I don't want you to forget it. I want you to remember your purpose. The big narrative, the story, why you were created, why anything was created. You were created to come into relationship with God. And Jesus' death and resurrection opens the way for us to come and live our lives in that context, in the life of this, this big picture narrative. We need reminding daily that Jesus died for us to pay for our sin, to bring us into eternal relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. And in Him we find our greatest joy. In Him we find our greatest treasure. In Him we find our greatest fulfillment. And in Him we find our greatest love. Now there are other reasons that we could uh, talk about I won't kind of go into, into detail. We do need reminding that miracles do happen. And of course, the greatest miracle of all is that the Son of God bore our sin and rose again to life so that through faith in him, we could come into relationship with God. We need reminding that when we face disappointments and, and setbacks, that actually God can work through them. We need reminding that on the cross, it looked like the greatest setback, and yet God was doing the, the greatest, most wonderful thing through that. We need to break bread to remember that God can work through all things, even, dis even our disappointments and our, and our failures. We need reminding that even in our success, in fact, we can forget in our success. Success can give us a spiritual amnesia. We start to think, you know, I can do life myself. Do you know what? I've got everything under control. We need reminding that actually we need Jesus' body broken for us and his blood shed for us. Otherwise, we would be cut off from God forever and ever and ever. We need the grace of God. We need reminding of that even in our success. But I maybe leave you to think more about those things. And I want to just to finish with this one. This is behind everything, really. We, we need reminding that God loves us, that God accepts us, that God forgives us, and that God adopts us, and he will never forsake us, not based on the things that we have done or haven't done. We need continually reminding about this fact that it's not based on what we have done or haven't done that God loves us and accepts us and brings us into his family. This is because of what Jesus has done. And this is something that 
that we, we need continual reminder of. It's the center and the heart and the glory of the gospel. Toby earlier was encouraging us to never lose the wonder. And Jesus wanted, he, he wanted to give us a way that we would, we would always be thinking about this, that we would be holding this bread, that we'd be eating this bread and pouring out this wine and just lost in wonder at what Jesus has done for us that though we were the ones that had sinned, that we were the ones that had turned away from God, that we were the ones that had blown it. He died for us. The perfect one died for us, and his body was broken for us. I wonder if you come to God in a different way. I wonder if you come to God based on how you've done. I wonder if that's your, your way of relating to God. I've done a, some good things and some bad things, and you come to God like this. That is not the way to come to God. That is not the way. You'll never get to God with this good and bad stuff. This is how you approach God, through faith in Jesus and what he has done. So we're going to take the bread now together. If you've got it here, you might want to get, get, it, get yours ready at home. Get yours ready. And we're going to remember what Jesus has done for us. And Father, as we do this, we would you help us? We need, we need, mentally, we need reminding. Emotionally, we need reminding. Spiritually, we need reminding that it's only by your grace. And Lord, I pray, just increase the wonder in each and every one of us right now, each, every follower of Jesus as we take this bread together. Lord, may we never lose the wonder of what you have done, the giving of your son to us. Let's take the bread now and remember. Father, we thank you for giving your son for us. We thank you for his blood poured out for us in this new covenant where we can trust in your promise of acceptance and forgiveness and adoption of us, not by what we have done. Thank you that this was nailed to a tree. Thank you that Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law and that you call us now to come to you through faith in Jesus and his broken body and his blood shed for us. And we take this now as a reminder of this covenant. And Lord, again, fill our hearts with wonder, we pray, at what Jesus has done for us. Thank you, Lord. When Jesus had finished this time with his disciples, when he'd broken bread with them and drunk the wine, we read in Matthew 26, 30, that they sung a hymn. And so I want, to, I want us to finish our time now with a, a hymn, and the hymn that came to mind was, Here is Love, Vast as the Ocean. I love that uh, analogy, just the greatness of God's love. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the prince of life I ransomed shed for us his precious blood. And here's what reminded me, really, of this, this song in this context. Who his love will not remember? Who can cease to sing his praise. He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. So let's stand if you're here and if you're at home, you're welcome to stand as well. And let's sing it or hear, let's hear it and remember God's love for us in the person of Jesus. And let's keep taking the bread and the wine together as we go through our life, maybe every day, every week, let's keep reminding ourselves about the grace of God in the person of Jesus 
that we would never forget it, never lose the wonder until he comes again. When we break bread, we're, we're doing so until he comes again. When he comes again, we won't need reminding anymore. We will be with him forever and ever in a new heavens and a new earth where God is dwelling wonderfully amongst his people. So let's sing this and now listen to it here and remember the wonder of the grace of God given to us in the person of Jesus Christ.